This morning, this is the first Sunday of Advent, um, of the Advent season, and Advent counting down until Christmas. Uh, I saw this week, somebody said their Advent calendar, uh, their chocolate Advent calendar says they only have five days left until Christmas. Um, You know, if you've ever had one of those Advent calendars where you open the door and you pull a piece of chocolate out for each day as you count down, it sounds like they got a little ahead of themselves. Anyway, so, but in Luke chapter 2, I think this is some encouraging words, and I hope you find encouragement in them this morning. It says, um, Luke chapter 2, and these are the angels speaking to the shepherds, and they say, don't be afraid. So here are God's authorities, his angelic authorities that look at these shepherds, these lowly shepherds who are dirty and unclean and out in the middle of nowhere and says, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And our series in the book of Romans has been not ashamed of good news. And it's the good news that God's authority is complete and it will be completed through his son. And then he says in verse 11, the angels say, today a savior, a Messiah, who is the Messiah of the Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough Suddenly there was a multitude of heaven of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. I think that's a good reminder to us that God is looking to put his favor on people. He doesn't want us to obey because of a fear of wrath. He wants us to to obey him because we understand that he is the authority and that following him is better than any other thing we can have on this earth and And it begs the question, you know, what does it look like to have God's favor? And I'll remind you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. The person who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it. Anyone losing his life because of me will find it. And that's really the good news. It's the idea of, I don't, it's not about me. The good news is there's a God who's in control. He's sovereign. And even in the midst of the mess that we're in, he has a plan. And we are trying to walk through that and share his good news with people as much as we can. It's been a weird week for us. We're all quarantined in our house. Um, one of our kids tested positive, and so we are here taking care of them and trying to do due diligence uh, in our quarantine. And um, and again, I don't like it. <laughs> um, I struggle with it. I, I know that the reality is we're 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 all going to pass away, but yet I'm I'm trying to be careful in the way that I declare the good news of of who Christ is. Um, Romans 1 is our theme verse, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And you know that Matthew 10 verse says, Anyone finding his life will lose it. There's no greater love we'll see in a minute than a man laying down his life for his friends, Jesus said. And so, this morning, what I want to look at briefly is, is the idea of not ashamed of love. Not ashamed of love. And now, of course, it's God's definition of love, not ours. 
We'll see in a moment that God says that love does no wrong to a neighbor. And so that really begs the question of what is love? What is wrong? Who is a neighbor? And really, if, if we really think about it, love is the essence of submission. And, and false love is the essence of false submission, where we submit to the wrong things because we love those things versus submitting to the right things because of the ultimate love we have. And so if we love Christ, we'll have an attitude of wanting to, to look to him, to submit to his authority and who he is. And remember, we talked about submission last week, being placing, willingly placing yourself under like a military order. That's the, the Greek word uh, that's there. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 that we looked at a few weeks ago that he's been teaching for 11 chapters, and now he gets to verse 12, makes a transition, and we're in the midst of that transition in chapter 13. He says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. In other words, don't just submit to God because you're afraid. That's why the angel said, don't be afraid. There's good news that we don't have to be fearful of God because of his great love, but we do respect him. We do submit to him. We, we willingly place ourselves under him. And we say our flesh, our body is a willing sacrifice to you. And then he says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. In other words, we don't do well in discerning God's will until we place ourselves under his authority. Because then what happens, like we've seen scripturally all the way through the Bible, is myself, you, the Bible characters we read about, the people of our day, we ask God to be under our authority. Instead of saying, God, you're in charge. What do you want? Then he goes on in verse 9, Paul says, love must be free of hypocrisy. <clears throat> Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. See, that sounds great. We read that. But man, that that really takes the power of God to make that happen in my life. To, to detest what is evil and to cling to what is good, to, to be free of any hypocrisy in my life, to allow God to show me my hypocrisy and show me where I'm off and where I'm, I'm being judgmental instead of making good judgments about his word and who he is and his love, and then to be devoted to one another. I mean, that's something that, we don't do well. We're devoted to the people who are devoted to us. And we call that love versus saying, I'm going to be devoted to God and to those he calls his own. Romans 13 goes on and says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. There's no authority except from God and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it bring judgment on themselves. And we looked at that last week. That's just where we find ourselves in chapter 13. And you know, this week I got a lot of questions from people asking, well, when can we, when is it loving or right to, to not go along with authority? Well, let me give you a few examples. One is in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. This is Peter, and he's brought before the ruling council of his day, the religious leaders, and they're telling him that he isn't allowed to speak of the love of God in Jesus. He's not allowed to tell people that, that, that Jesus came, that he is the good news that the angels announced that he's bringing a sword and to warn them that they're going to perish if they don't know him. And so Peter answers, we must obey God rather than men. Peter's like, 
you have authority to kill me. I understand you have the sword. You can take me out, but I have to obey telling people about who God is in his love. And Peter submitted to them. They beat them and sent them off. And later, Peter submitted to the point of death to the authorities as he was, by history standard, crucified for his Lord. Daniel 3, verse 18 says, but if not, again, Daniel speaking, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace story. And they're saying, you know, we understand that you are king, but let it be known we can't bow to worship a false god that you've set up. They did other things. They obeyed the king. They actually served the king faithfully. Daniel actually served the king of Babylon and the king of Persia who defeated Babylon. He was a servant of both kingdoms throughout his his entire lifetime. But there comes a moment when you say, I can't, you're asking me to worship something and I can't worship it. Exodus 1, 17, 20 through 21 says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. The king of Egypt told them they needed to to slaughter, abort, and get rid of all the male children, uh, Jewish male children, so that they they couldn't form an army. They couldn't be powerful. And this is where we get the story of Moses, that Moses was put in a basket, sit down the river, and spared. And so God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because of the midwives feared God, he gave them families. In other words, somehow God recognized that they wanted to obey, but they couldn't obey in the slaughter of these these children in Egypt. And because of their disobedience, God blessed them, but they weren't trying to overthrow Pharaoh. They were trying to get him to see the, the wickedness of his ways. Romans 13 goes on to say, therefore you must submit not only because of wrath, but because of your conscience. You see, we don't even submit to wrath today, much less God's love. The consciousness to know that there is a God who loves, who has authority, who has power, and recognizing that and saying, I want to place myself under this God and his his commands, ordinances, and statutes because I know those things are loving to do them. And so Paul says, therefore, you've got to to submit and don't just do it because well, I'm afraid to get in trouble. I'm afraid that something bad's going to happen. Do it because of your conscience that you, that we love God. Luke 12, Jesus said this, and I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who can kill the body and after that do nothing more, but I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. So we need not be afraid of our authorities but we need to recognize that God has somehow working his plan and it may take a lot longer than we think. And the reality is like this verse says, uh, often our hearts are, I'm not going to submit until it costs me something in my flesh. Romans 13 goes on to say, and for this reason, you pay taxes since the authorities are God's public servants continually attending to these tasks Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. See, who or what we are willing to give up our time, talent, treasures, and and tell our stories about, our testimonies about, shows what we really love. It shows what we really believe about 
the world and our life, it shows what we really believe we owe honor to because we're willing to give our life. And see, that's the thing is, is Paul's writing here and he's saying, look, you have to understand that it's, there's no perfect government, but, but God has instituted government to be his agent of wrath, we read through scripture, and his agent of protection from anarchy, even though it's all governments are, are messed up. And the fact that they're messed up helps us to understand that we have to point ourselves and others to, to him, that, that this government isn't the end all be all. Romans 13 goes on and says, don't owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment are all summed up by this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. It's, it's the fulfillment of the authority of God. And notice, it's loving to not commit adultery. It's loving to not murder. It's loving to not steal. It's loving to not covet and want what other people have. And and then he says, whatever other commandment. In other words, the commands and statutes of the Old Testament were very loving. Were they there to protect us? Yes. From ourselves and from others? Yes. But they were out of a heart of love because God knows how broken we are and how sinful and wicked we can be. And so he says here, don't owe anyone anything. See, the Anytime you see this word O in the Greek, it almost always signifies in the New Testament money, actual physical resources. And what he's saying here is he's like, look, you can tell by the way you do your treasure, your time, your talent, the stories you tell, you can tell what you really love. You can tell what, what, what your heart's after. You can look at someone else and say, man, it looks like their heart is after these things. And if you find someone that loves the commands of God, they love God's word, they, they look to obey it, they look to be humble, as we keep reading about in Romans, that there's a humility, then we look at that and say, man, that, that's unique. We don't see that very often. And I just think, again, it's one of those things where we need to be careful that we're not owing people anything, because when we begin to go down that road of you owe me or I owe you, we're not acting in grace. We're not acting in forgiveness. We're not acting in a way that looks to love. We're acting in a way that looks to get. And so when you start having those transactions in your relationships in your life where you owe me and you're trying to be your own authority because that's what owing someone does. It says, I'm trying to get authority over you. And we as Christians should recognize that anytime we go into a relationship where we now owe something, that, that we're now going to have to submit to them because we're choosing to go into a covenant relationship where we're saying, you can count on me and, and we can do this together. And so anytime we make a decision and we say, I'll come under, the proverb says the borrower is slave to the lender. It, it's not bad or wicked or evil to, to choose to be a slave. Jesus chose to be the slave for us to die, to give his life. It, the Bible calls us slaves of God, servants of God. It's not wrong to choose to do that. You just have to recognize that when you do, you're placing an authority over you. And then in 1 John 4, this is the way John puts it. He says, in this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in this world. 
In other words, as Jesus is, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. That's the wrath we just read about. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he, Jesus, first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For that person who does not love his brother he has seen cannot love the God whom he has not seen. And remember that love is based on God's definition of love. See, see, we look at love today and we say, well, this is what it looks like. It looks like you give everything to another person. God does not give us everything we want. Actually, he sometimes doesn't give us anything that we want so that we learn to want what he wants. He's very careful in how he walks with us because he loves us. And that's why the person who wrote 1 John, who also wrote the Gospel of John, said this in John 15, as the Father has loved me, I also loved you, is what Jesus is saying here. Remain in my love, Jesus says. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And so Jesus even connects joy with this idea of loving what God loves, loving his statutes, commands, his ordinances, his character that he's poured out through the things that he says we can do and the things we're not supposed to do. In verse 12, it says, this is my command, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And remember, Jesus says some pretty offensive things at times. He also said some amazingly loving and grace-filled, kind things at times, but it was both. And then he says, no one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. And so God's desire is to show us that it's not wrath, it's conscience. It's not, well, I have to submit to God or he'll get me. It's no, he is my friend. And I want to submit to him because of everything he's already done for me. I, I just owe my whole life to him. I owe everything to him. I owe nothing to anyone else other than what he tells me. And so I, I want to love like he loved. Romans 13 goes on to say, besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than we first believed. That's true for me. I don't know about you. I came to salvation when I was 18, and I'm pretty sure that I'm getting closer to fully seeing that salvation and than I am getting further from it. And he says, the night is nearly over, the daylight is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency, as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, put on Yahweh, who is Yahweh, who saves, who is the Messiah, put on everything that God is in his whole being as revealed in scripture and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. Man, that's really love, isn't it? it, it true love is saying, I want to be like Jesus. And I don't want to plan at the end of my life to die and say, look at all I built. When Jesus died at the end of his life, there was nothing to show for it. He had one follower, his mom, and another woman that he had most likely rescued out of adultery. Those were the three people at the foot of his cross. Everyone else just was like, it's not worth it. This wrath that we're watching being put on Jesus, 
Something's, I can't, I can't embrace that. And then when he came back to life, they realized that his plan was very different than they thought. And that can be the case for us, that we have a plan that we think God should do, that we should be going towards. And God says, no, here's my plan. My plan is that you would walk with me, that you would lay down your life. Sometimes laying down your life means standing for what is true and suffering the consequences of that. And Jesus in the Bible throughout tells us the reality of that. And so let me ask you this morning, have you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you looking to to say to him, I want to put on his flesh? That's what communion is that we're going to celebrate today. It's the it's a concept of I'm I'm putting Christ, I'm getting rid of me, and I'm becoming the full me that he wants me to be. And that's the thing we have to choose to do every day. We have to choose to put on him, not on our selfish desires, our wants, our plans, what we think we deserve. And if we don't do that, like we saw in the video, then what ends up happening is it's every man for himself. If there's no authority guiding us, then it becomes every man for himself. And the person who will have authority is the person who has the biggest weapon, the most force. That's always the case in human history. And God says, the man who has real authority in my world is the one who loves, gives his life with my force who stands for what's true and right because it's loving, not because he thinks he can make the world the perfect utopia he wants it to be, but because he just believes that I want to love the one who has given me everything that I owe everything to. See, that's love. As we wrap up, 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, just as Paul was writing and saying that we need to go to the light, we need to put away the deeds of darkness He says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, but since we belong to the day, we must be serious and put on the armor of faith and love on our chests and put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Maybe that's our mask now, like the helmet we put on for protection. (laughs) I don't know, but it's this idea of we're in a fight and we have to put these things on. I have to have faith. I have to Understand that my faith leads to to what's loving, which is declaring what is good out of Scripture and fighting for it, and also being willing to give my life for people who don't even believe it. And then put on the helmet of that hope, because we're going to need to remember that we have a hope that it's not about this world. Verse 9, he says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not wrath. (laughs) It's our conscience to understand who God is and what he's done for us. And then in verse 10, he says, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build each other up as you're already doing. That's what we want to do. We want to build each other up. Now, we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. And to regard them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace among yourselves. It even says here that part of the role of us in the places where God has given us leadership in our lives is admonishment. It's admonishing people to love God and to surrender their lives, surrender their deeds to his authority. And then he says to regard those that do that 
as the fact that they're loving us, that they're trying to do the work of love. And if you do that and you understand that, there'll be a sense of peace when you're not held accountable, so to speak, you're given grace, that you're held accountable to the grace of God or when you're held accountable to the works and actions that it's loving. He goes on and says, and we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for the other and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus.